Hello and welcome to Your Intention Matters, the podcast. My name is Paul Madot. Thank you very much for taking the time to join us today. I have Drew Corrier. He is Sales Development Manager at Formstack up in beautiful Colorado Springs, Colorado. Drew, welcome. Thanks, Paul. Great to be here. Yeah, thanks for making the time. You know, I don't know why I said up in Colorado Springs. I'm north of you, but uh, for some reason I said that. <laughs> elevation, elevation. We're at like 6,500 feet. Probably. Yeah, well, well, from, well, from that perspective, and you're definitely higher than me. So, well, listen, Drew, thanks for making yeah. the time. Uh, listen, before we get into it, um, how are you doing right now with COVID? How's the team? How's the family? How are you hanging in there, despite the fact that we're kind of in lockdown? Uh, all things considered, uh, I'm real grateful. You know, my family's healthy. Uh, my team is performing well, uh, working out of my garage. Uh, which is definitely not what I envisioned uh, a few months ago, uh, helping my eight-year-old with uh, his schoolwork. Definitely not cut out to be a teacher either, uh, as far as a, a youth teacher, that's for sure. Um, all things considered, super grateful to be in this situation, though. Yeah, I appreciate that. You and I are somewhat in the similar boat. I have two kids, six and four, and I haven't bred myself to be a kindergarten teacher at all. And so, you know, th- these teachers need to make like $800 million a year because uh, I-, I teach salespeople. I don't teach kids, right? Thousand percent agree. I think, uh, you know, if anything, if we come away with this with anything, it's a, a greater appreciation for a lot of the service that they do for us and teaching our kids. I mean, we've all had teachers that have been a good impact to our life and, you know, uh, I don't know if my son's as happy with me teaching him either. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. Well, listen, again, thanks for the time. Let's get into it then. So as you know, your intention matters, and that really stems from everything is earned. We all have different paths, big decisions to make along the way. And uh, so with that said, I'm looking forward to you sharing your story. Are you ready to go here? Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, let's happy go back. Be- Late 90s, Mammoth Lakes, California. What do you think you'd be doing in 2020? <laughs> Man, uh, certainly not working in an office. If you would have told, uh, you know, uh, 18 and 20 year old me that I was going to work in an office, I would just say, put me out of my misery now. But uh, it's funny how things change. You know, I I moved to Mammoth, uh, went to college there, uh, really because it was one of the places I could snowboard and go to school. And that was uh, what my parents wanted. They wanted me to be able to go to school. I wanted to snowboard. So it was a compromise. And I Fell in love working at with sales, working at a great snowboard shop there, Waybrave Snowboard Shop, and uh, had some great mentors. And it was kind of like my first uh, real taste of sales and sales training and retail sales. And I loved it. It was great. And so retail sales, uh, right in your wheelhouse too. I mean, selling you know uh, equipment for a, a sport that you have a passion in, which obviously must have helped in terms of you getting up in the morning and raring to go because you're talking about a topic that you know you can talk about all day, I'm sure. And so, how long did did you do that for? Oh yeah, I was there about four years. You know, it started just turning screws in the rental department, and you know, kind of had an apt for talking to people and. Uh, about my second year in there, I went to uh, like a, a sales training seminar down in Southern California that the boss man took us all to. And it, it kind of like stuck with me and it hit me well. And I, I seemed to really grasp it and could like apply it quickly. And uh, 
became a sales manager and eventually the general manager there when I was about 21. And we did a couple million dollars worth of uh, sales every single year, just snowboards and skateboards, no skis, very like core uh, snowboard shop. And I mean, that was, I could snowboard every day. It was like the greatest job ever, I thought. Wow, that's pretty cool, man. I mean, and really, I mean, even though you were an adult, you were just a kid at at 21 oh, yeah. years old and you've got a responsibility of being a general manager for the shop. So good for you for having a, a pretty good impact early on. Yeah, I, I was grateful for the opportunity and really thankful that I had that chance. So Drew, why did you leave? If If you're happy with the value prop, you're happy with the equipment and snowboarding is a passion of yours and uh what was behind the decision to move on i uh, i was young and dumb and in love <laughs> uh, so moved moved around a little bit uh decided uh, i would get a girlfriend and we would travel around and live in an rv uh throughout the west coast uh lake tahoe mount hood oregon and you know just kind of go on an adventure essentially uh, and i it just felt right. And so I went for that and I did that for about three years, uh, broke a few bones, had some, some lumps and bruises. And, uh, right about the time that the poker boom hit, uh, 2003, uh, I saw somebody dealing poker while I was working at Seven Eleven, working graveyard because I could snowboard during the day. I was like, right. yeah, this is great. Uh, and I saw the poker dealer making a dollar at a time in tips dealing poker up on the North shore of Lake Tahoe. And, I asked him how much he made. And he's like, I make about $300 a day. I was like, oh man, I got to do something different. And so uh, within two months, I'd moved to Vegas and I'd figure I'd just get a job there and I'd figure it out. And kind of what happened. And so where'd you land in Vegas? Which, uh, which casino? Uh, at the Luxor. At Luxor. Uh, I okay. ended up at the Luxor there. Yeah. For, for five years working the graveyard shift, uh, you know, I was, kind of a, have always gravitated towards leadership or leadership has kind of gravitated towards me uh, at this point. And uh, they, they made me like the shift supervisor, uh, which was, you know, I was about 24, 25 years old at the time. I thought that was the greatest thing ever. You know, I'm, I'm the shift supervisor at a strip casino, like working graveyard, watching, watching the, the Vegas show essentially of all the people and all the action. And, you know, I, I thought that was awesome. So took the opportunity. Uh, did you ever meet Carrot Top? I did. Yeah, yeah. Carrot Top, Chris Angel, uh, the whole crew. Lots of lots of famous celebrities would come in and uh, want to play poker at like recreational uh, stakes and that kind of thing. And then found myself at the World Series of Poker and uh, ended up even going over and dealing a World Poker Tour event in Bratislava, Slovakia towards the end of my time in Vegas. And I thought that was Again, the best thing I had ever done. What do you mean I'm getting paid to travel across the world to deal cards? This is amazing. You know what, man? I, 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 can't, I can't blame the way you were feeling about that. That must have been pretty surreal for a guy in the 20s. And of course, when you're in the Mecca like Vegas, I mean, it's where to be. And you're at a hotspot right on the strip at Luxor. And so for five years, that's a pretty long time. I mean, I'll go to Vegas and I'm, I'm good for three days. How did you sustain five years? I have no clue. I, I ask myself the same thing sometimes. You know, it's like uh, dog years, you know, Vegas years. Uh, I I never really got sucked into the partying too hard. Uh, that was a helpful thing. I I was more into the action of gambling, uh, especially the poker, the strategy behind it. You know, it, it got to the point where I was, you know, when the, the economy dropped out in 2008, you know, it went overnight. It, it fell off there. And so I had to figure out a way that I was going to, still sustain and make money and decided I'd just go play poker when my shift was over and 
you know, and then I started playing online poker and was able to pay the bills and save up enough money to move out to Colorado eventually because, well, everybody tipped me really well that came from Colorado. Uh, so I figured it would be a great place for me. It, it had snowboarding and the casinos. It's a perfect match. And uh, did your girlfriend come with you? Uh, yeah, at the time. We've since uh, separated, you know, in the better for both of us. But yeah, at the time, uh, I had no job. I had no place to work. I had no house. Uh, I packed all my belongings and all of our stuff up in our in a U-Haul, essentially, and my dog and uh, took the drive. And I just kind of assumed it would work out. I just intended for it to work out. And, yeah set my mind to it. I knew I had the skills to make it happen. So, you know, it was a matter of like just making it happen at that point. So Drew, I mean, even though at that time, you know, you only know what you know, right? I mean, looking back on it now with you being a dad and being there, having that responsibility of actually being responsible for another human and adds a whole other level to it. You know, at the time, I'm sure that must have been nerve wracking for you. The fact that, you know, no job, uh, you know, no direction, uh, uh, unstable economy right then and there. Uh, if everybody was around back in 2007, 2008, it was no picnic for a lot of uh, people at the yeah. time. That was a long haul. It was a long 18 months for a lot of people. Uh, how do you think you managed that? How'd you get through that? I just believed that everything was going to work out. And I think that's kind of the thing that I've always had with me. It's not a I definitely don't lack confidence when it comes to that, but I just believe that everything was going to work out exactly like it was supposed to. And to put one foot in front of the other, I knew I had the skill set in that I was a good addition to, you know, any company that would take a chance on me. And I was able, I was fortunate enough for a company to take a chance on me, you know, after my first audition and uh, my first day on the shift there, I made more money than I'd ever made dealing poker. I was like, okay, great. I'm in the right spot. And, you know, I think uh, it's Mardi Gras. The universe can kind of, yeah, the universe can kind of conspire and make sure that uh, things work out the way it's supposed to. So you moved to Colorado, um, really with on a skinny branch, if I'm hearing you correctly at the time. And so you get there, uh, you stay in the industry gaming, you land at Ameristar. And how long were you there for? I was there for about four years. Uh, we grew the poker room. You know, it was one of the busiest poker rooms in the country at the time, uh, really good action, good games, good, good customers, good staff, uh, got promoted, probably took the promotion about a year in, you know, after I said I wouldn't, because I didn't want to take the pay cut, you know, in, in some industries, you know, management makes less than, mm -hmm. you know, the staff, but I also felt like I had a big, a bigger impact to the community and to like the, the, that gaming community is in that role than I would just as an individual contributor. So I took that and, you know, once I, it got to the point though, where you end up in the casino life, it, it, it's a soul sucking place after a long period of time, the best way I can describe it. And it's really tough to go see people every day, chase an unattainable dream. Mm. And, you know, I, I made some mistakes there and uh, kind of lost some trust with my employer. And they told me I needed to go find somewhere else to, to peddle my wares essentially. And, uh, it was a great learning experience for me. It got me out of the, the golden handcuffs per se of, you know, making enough to have a good life, but never enough to press your, to push yourself or, you know, expand on your horizon. And I'm, I'm really grateful that it happened at the time. I was devastated. I mean, it, it broke my heart. I put my heart and soul into it, but, uh, it was really a good thing for me because it led me to sales 
essentially. Well, you know, that comment there is something that I think a lot of people listening can um, resonate with. Uh, you know, when it happens, it's, it's devastating. You don't know how you're going to get out of this. I remember I wrote an article on LinkedIn that the best day of my professional career was the day that I got fired. And of course, at the time, much like you, I thought, this is not good. How much money do I have? What am I going to do next? And a change brings a lot of uncertainty. And, and you, you realize you don't have a lot of money. And so how, do you, how are you going to do this? And then you look back on it and you think, no, it was the best thing that happened to me because it, it made me pivot into my next step. And so um, how long were you out of work? And how did you, um, how did you find your next opportunity? Uh, that's great. I, I ended up being out of work for about a year you know, technically out of work. I, uh, I had some good connections through the gaming industry and there's a lot of, uh, there's a couple of home games essentially, uh, you know, in Denver that, you know, somebody said, Hey, you want to, you want to come deal for me? And, you know, I was absolutely sure. And ended up making that like a, a part-time bridge, I guess, uh, the unsustainability of it. One, I'm not sure how legal it was Two. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not sure how legitimate, like how long I could do that, uh, you know, kind of wears on the body. Um, so I actually found uh, my next opportunity through a referral of a friend. And she said, um, you know, my, my place is hiring, but I'm terrible at this job. It's really hard. And it kind of piqued my interest. I'm like, ooh, I like really hard things. I love adrenaline. What do you got? And went in for an interview and thought this feels like the Wolf of Wall Street. Okay, I'll check this out. And uh, five years later, I was still there. <laughs> uh, I trust, Drew, you've watched Rounders. That's, that's all yeah. good, Drew. It's all good. Listen, man, Drew, we're all working from home right now, so it's all good. <laughs> yeah. DoorDash is here with my son's Chick-fil-A. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, did you ever watch Rounders? Oh, yeah. You know, it's, watched that uh, when I first moved to Vegas. <laughs> A thousand times. As you're talking about your career, a totally different uh, parallel here, but you're 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 a grinder. You made it happen. You remind me of, of the character Kanish. I forget who played him, but he he was known as the grinder. He was just he, he just found a way yeah. to to stay above board, right? And so, uh, John Turturro. Thank you, yeah, Turturro. Thank you, thank though. you, Turturro. He was he was uh, um, uh, Jesus in The Big Lebowski. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's He's right. A great actor. Character. Great actor. All right. So, so you 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 pivot really like a decade in in the gaming industry. So it's your baby. It's what you know. You find yourself, you know, out of work. Um, what was it like early on at at Home Advisor and in that different type of selling arena? Did you struggle? Was it did it, did you gravitate to it easily? Did you like mentally quit half a dozen times? How'd you get through it? I sucked, Paul. I was terrible. Um, <laughs> I always tell people I was the, the 13th best rep on a team of 12, uh, partly because like everything I had ever learned about like, you know, customer service wasn't going to help me in this role. It was cold calling the contractors, you know, owner operated businesses to sell them leads. And, you know, I had to find my voice and yeah, I wanted to quit a few times. I remember uh, one time specifically sitting there, uh, at my desk for about 10 minutes and having this internal dialogue with myself of, okay, what else are you going to like? You're, you're not good at this. You better figure this out. You know, what else are you going to do if you leave this role? Like, are you going to bounce around from jobs for the rest of your life? Or are you going to figure out how to make this one work? And, you know, I kind of just like had that internal conversation. I still remember exactly where I was sitting at my desk and where that desk was. And 
had that internal conversation with myself at that moment. I was like, you know what, I'm going to get really good at this and then see what happens. And, and that's, you know, with, within six months, I was one of the better people on the team. And within a year, uh, they were opening a new office in Colorado Springs. And my boss at the time asked me if I wanted to come be a sales rep and, you know, pilot that center and just be an example. And I, at first I said no. And then I went home and Googled how far away Colorado Springs was from my home in Denver. And, and then I asked him how much he made. And I was like, yeah, okay. Mm. We'll take a shot at it. And, you know, uh, the VP at the time, uh, I had a good five minute interview with her and she said, I'm not going to make you a manager. You're going to be a sales rep. And if you want to move up, uh, you're going to have to earn it just like anybody else. And I said, that's a good deal. I like that. I'll, I'll do my best to earn it. And within three months of opening that center, I was the first manager promoted. And that was my kind of history there. Well, congrats on, on what you were able to create thing. there. You know, I mean, turning lemons into lemonade and, and, you know, having a conversation with yourself, getting centered to say, all right, what are we doing here? Am I going to bounce around again or am I going to find a way to create something and, um, you know, and turn the corner here? And so how long did you last at, at uh, Home Advisor? How long did you stay there for? Uh, just over five years. You know, uh, in that time, you know, they, they grew from like, I think we grew from 90 million in sales to almost a 750 million in sales, a ridiculous rocket ship. And so grateful for that experience. Uh, you know, uh, we acquired slash merged with Angie's list during that time. And a lot of great things happened. You know, made president's club, uh, got promoted, really had some great mentors to help me along the way. Um, and just last late last year, they decided to close this branch because they just had other unrealized opportunities and other markets. And, this one just didn't make sense anymore. And, you know, I wasn't mad at that. I, I felt like I had had a good run and I was able to kind of, I don't want to say go down with the shit, but see it out till the end. And, you know, I felt like I owed it to everybody in that building to stay there, you know, with them until the end and make sure that they had good leadership and someone who cared along the way. And uh, shortly after that, uh, I found out that they were growing the sales development team at Formstock and uh, applied for that and was fortunate enough outstanding group I, I couldn't be happier to be where i'm at now it's yeah. awesome well that's great to hear as well i mean especially again when you find yourself somewhat voluntold of that you know you're no longer going to be at home advisor it probably wasn't what you had written up going into 2020 but it happens and so early days right now at formstack uh, i know them to be uh, a reputable company but you're still new in the job and you're battling you know this current world climate um How's it going so far? Are you hanging in there? Like, are you able to do what you want to do? Or are you finding that you're in a holding pattern? Like, how are you navigating the current state, given that you're in a new role? Uh, there are some things that are kind of on hold that I had initially envisioned. But all things considered, uh, it's nice that the product is is kind of made for this type of environment. You know, automate, collecting and automating your data and making your data work for you. Uh, you know, so as far as like the business landscape goes, I couldn't be happier with my team. Uh, you know, they hit 125% to quota my first, you know, full month on the, on the job, which I think is more of a testament to them than it is to me. But really, we've all been handed this bag of lemons. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, it's just a chance for all of us to see who has the best lemonade. And, you know, I think there's a lot of comfort in knowing that we're all together in in this challenge um, of how are we going to overcome it? Because nobody's immune from this right now in no industry, you know, even 
even ours. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a world thing that's that's going on right now. So you, I, I kind of take comfort in that somewhat, uh, somewhat, I say. Uh, and so, Drew, I appreciate you sharing your story here with us. Last question for you. I always like to ask anybody who's on if they had any advice for anybody, because your career has been uh, very meandering. I mean, you start in Colorado snowboarding. You, you, you find a way to make that happen and do well with that. You then find your way to Vegas and you're, you know, pulling the night shift, running the show at, at, and at Luxor, you go to Colorado because Colorado are good tippers. And so you, and you, can, you can ski and snowboard there. And then you get into a different type of sell-at-home advisor. You find yourself out of work. Now you're at Formstack and you're managing, you know, an unprecedented time right now in the world. And so I'm sure you have lots of advice for people if anybody asked you. But if anybody came to you looking for just one piece of advice, uh, what, what would you say that's worked for you the best? Uh, just a, like an internal belief that everything that happens is supposed to happen that way. Uh, and that's not to say, you know, just let things happen. But, you know, I know that it, it's difficult when we have our mindset on something or we have our goals set somewhere and we get, you know, derailed from that through, you know, faults of our own or no fault of our own. And to just understand that, like, that doesn't define us. That doesn't define you as a person. That's just another chapter in the book. And, you know, use that to your advantage, like take those skills, take that experience, be in the moment and go, you know, apply those somewhere else. And I, I think, you know, often two times we give up on ourselves too easily, um, you know, and I would just say like, keep going as much as anything else you got to just keep going and everything will work itself out just the way it's supposed to well and you're living proof of that right i guess so yeah. never really thought yeah. of it that way yeah, no I, well i will give based on what you've just shared with us and so uh listen last <clears throat> pardon me last question for you uh roulette table red or black green green oh man <laughs> green <laughs> you're yeah. green the two percent uh, green right yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go for the home run every time, right there. Um, you know, I don't want a nickel and dime there for you know to to give that slight edge. I, I'll I'll go for the home run on the green and move on with my day. If That's a great answer. That's a great answer. Well, Drew, listen, thanks so much for taking the time. Uh, I appreciate uh, you sharing your story with us. Thank you. Thanks, Paul. I appreciate you. You're thanks welcome. for having me on. Absolutely. So, everybody, again, thanks everybody for being here. Remember that your intention matters. Because as I, as I always say, that's the result that you tend to get. We're out of here and uh, we'll do this again next week. Be safe, everybody. Thanks for joining.